Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of John, 19th chapter. We'll be continuing our series on the words that Jesus spoke from the cross. This is number five in the series. Two more to go, just finishing up on uh, the Sunday prior to Easter. Remember that we will be having an Easter cantata on Sunday evening. That's going to be a good program that night. We hope that you'll all plan to be present. Hope everybody gets well so we can practice the choir. That's our big problem right now. John chapter 19, beginning at verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. We'll conclude our reading this morning at that point. Let's pause for just a moment of prayer. Father, as we look at the experience that you had upon the cross, try to comprehend what you did for us. Open our hearts and our minds that we could receive the true revelation of your word. Bless each one who is present this morning. For those who are Depressed, we pray, for those who are ill, for those who are lost, for those who have burdens upon their heart and mind and soul. We lift them up and pray, Lord, that those who are in this congregation within those categories would receive a blessing and a lift, and that your Spirit would deal with each one as each has need. We pray through Christ our Redeemer. It is interesting to me, and I hope to you, that throughout the life of Jesus, we do not find him expressing concern about himself. He was always concerned about somebody else, about his loved ones, about the nation of Israel, about the lost, those who were handicapped, those who were ill, those who were in need of any sort, he ministered to them. We don't find him dealing with his own needs. A good way to go. A good illustration for us to have a good symbol to follow 
But although we will not do that as well as he did to realize that Jesus set before us a good example that only those things should come into our minds and hearts and our concerns about other people way before there are any concerns about ourselves. It is not to say that Jesus not, did not have concern for himself, but I want you to notice in this passage of Scripture where he placed his own concern. If you will look at verse 28, when he said, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the Scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. When his work was completed, when the job that he had been sent to do had been satisfied, he had done all that there was possibly to do for other people. And he is now paying the supreme price. When he has completely satisfied God's will in his life as a minister to others, then finally he turns his attention himself. But only then, when everything had been completed, then he said, I'm thirsty. We know how when a person is under tremendous distress, that thirst comes into the picture. And we wonder maybe why it is that Jesus actually was thirsty. This person who had scooped out the oceans, who had satisfied the thirst of other people, who brought water out of the rock in Israel to feed those millions of Israelites as they escaped from Egypt, seemingly had no capability of taking care of his own need. He'd done it for everybody else, but he couldn't do it for himself. There's something to be said there for us, that there are many things that we cannot do for ourselves. We're going to have to ask somebody else to do it for us. And in Jesus' case, it was thing of satisfying his own thirst. I want to say three things this morning about this thirst. This cry that he made. We don't know the flexion of his voice, but I think he made it quite clear to those below him that he was thirsty. I want us to look at it in terms of three things. Number one, he cried as a man as any man would. He cried as a man. He cried on behalf of man. And thirdly, he cried to man. Let's look first of all at his crying as a man. Well, we have a tremendous paradox before us in realizing that Jesus is God but at the same time, he is man. 
Now when you comprehend that, please explain it to me. That's beyond my comprehension. Oh, I mentally know it. I know that he was God. I know that the angel said to Mary that you're going to be overshadowed with the Holy Ghost and that which is conceived in you will be of the Holy Ghost and will be the Son of God. But he is both God and he is man. And sometimes we spend more emphasis upon convincing ourselves that he was God than we do at acknowledging that he was also man. Yes, indeed, he was God. In the first chapter of John, John made it very clear, very clear to us when he said, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Referring to Jesus. In the beginning... He was with God. He also was God. Over in the 8th chapter of John, there is a passage of scripture that is recorded dealing with Jesus' discussion with the people about Abraham and himself. And Jesus was indicating that he was well acquainted with Abraham. And they said to him, well, you're not even 50 years old yet, and are you telling us that you know Abraham? And Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. Now, at first look at those words, it seems rather odd that Jesus would say, Abraham was, and I am. But how would you describe otherwise someone who always has been and always will be? When Moses asks God what he was to say when he went down to Egypt to lead those people out, he said, well, who am I to say sent me? And God said, you say, I am sent you. I am means the ever-present. There is no past for God. There is no future for God. It always is. We have trouble comprehending that. And when Jesus said to the people, Yes, Abraham was, but I am. They didn't understand it, and perhaps we don't as well. But let us suffice this morning with the words that Jesus spoke to them when he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. And simply understand that Jesus is God without beginning and without ending. But, Let's concentrate more upon him as a man. He was human. He was born of a woman. Carnal. 
He was in the flesh. And this is one of the fundamental doctrines of the church that it taught well in the scripture that Jesus was made, that is that Christ was made flesh. God was made flesh. He is human. Over in 1 John chapter 4 and verses 2 and 3 we find these words. A very good doctrinal statement. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come uh, Beg your pardon, let me reread it. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. Now anybody, any person, past, present, or future, who says that Jesus Christ is not physical, is not from God. And you can throw him out, you can discount him. Because the scripture teaches emphatically that Jesus was physical. Peter said in 1 Peter 4.1 Christ suffered for us in the flesh. It was his physical person that went to the cross. And it is that physical person that's now hanging on the cross after everything's been done that he can possibly do for the salvation of man. And he says, I am thirsty. This was a response of the flesh, not the response of God. This was a true indication of his humanity. God does not thirst. Man does thirst. We need to understand that Jesus was as human as you and I are human. With one exception. Having God as his father, he did not yield to the temptations of the human. But he suffered the temptations. The writer to Hebrews tells us that he was tempted in all points as we are tempted. Now we gloss over that real quick. And we say, Jesus, you don't understand. You've never been through it. And Jesus comes back to us with the response, I have been tempted in every point as you were tempted. Yes, I understand what it's like. All points of our temptation he suffered. He knew what it was like to have pain and to be hungry. He knew what it was like to weep at the graveside and to be tempted with power and all the other things that come into our lives of temptation. Yes, he understood it all. He understands now what it's like to suffer. And his suffering was completely physical. But isn't it strange that the man who said... If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. Now cries, I'm thirsty. He was speaking as any human would speak. Secondly, 
He was speaking on the behalf of man. I think we have to ask ourselves the question, why did he suffer? Why did he go to the cross? Peter says again, for Christ also has once suffered for sin. The just for the unjust that he might bring us to God. Why did he suffer? To bring us to God. He did it. Someone has said, and these are not my words, but let me repeat them. He cried, I thirst in order that we might not from hell cry, I thirst. Do you remember the rich man and Lazarus story of the man who in hell lifted up his eyes and looked over into paradise and he cried, I thirst. Send Lazarus and let him dip his finger in water and come over and put it on my tongue to quench my thirst. To ease this burden, to lessen the pain. Jesus died on the cross for all men so that not a one of us would ever have to cry, I thirst. He did. Now he didn't have to suffer. When they taught him to come down off that cross, he could have done it. He had the power. As they were laying him upon the cross to drive the nails into his hands and feet, they offered him a sedative, a painkiller. And he refused it. You'll find that in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 27. He refused it. He could have had his pain eased, but rejected the painkiller because he was going to suffer the complete pain of the cross to make sure that we never had to do it. The writer to Hebrews said that we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. When we say we're in pain, we hurt, we're in distress, he can say, yes, I know. I was in pain. I hurt. I was in distress. I know what it's like. Peter said, cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. He cried, I thirst on my behalf and yours, so that we would never have to cry it. But thirdly, this was a cry to man. This was not a prayer when he said, I thirst. Not a prayer at all. He wasn't talking to God. He was talking to the people before him on the ground. It was a cry for help. A cry for somebody to do now for him what he could not do for himself. Strong here between heaven and earth, 
with his feet and his hands nailed. He could no longer walk. He could no longer embrace or be embraced. He could no longer satisfy the needs of his physical body. And he looked down at the people before him and said, I'm thirsty. Which was a cry for help. That seems strange. But this is exactly true. Jesus did his part on the cross for everybody's salvation. And he cries out to his church, to you and me. And he says, I need you to carry my gospel, to preach my word, to lead people to Christ. We are His hands and His feet, for His are nailed to the cross. He's crying out to man to do something. He's now dependent upon us. See to it that people do not thirst. You know, somebody there on the ground had a bottle of vinegar. And they took a sponge and they soaked it in the vinegar and put it on a stick, a reed they called it, and lifted it up to his mouth and he partook of that. And his thirst was satisfied. It doesn't say who did it. I honestly think one of the soldiers did that. But it reminds me of what Jesus said. In Matthew 10, 42. Whosoever shall give a cup of water, he shall in no wise lose his reward. I think that soldier was an honored person this day who had compassion enough upon our Lord to lift him a drink, even though it was nothing but vinegar. And when Jesus said in Matthew 25, and as much as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, you've done it to me. You know, I almost wish that I had been there that day, but the greater thing I wish is that had I been there that day, I would have been the one who would offer him the drink. And I wonder how many cries he's making through the lives of people in this community and those with whom we associate who are crying for spiritual drink. And we don't even give them a sponge It's our responsibility to come to the aid of our Lord in the lives of other people. Let me close with this poem. I heard the voice of Jesus say, Behold, 
life really give the living water? Thirsty one, stoop down and drink and live. I came to Jesus and I drank of that life-giving stream. My thirst was quenched. My soul revived. Now I live in Him. Do you thirst this morning for the living water? You'll find it in the person of Jesus Christ. Do you feel a burden for the thirst of the Lord? You'll find that thirst crying out from people's lives. He asks us to give them a drink. Let us pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.